glad you're here and we are in a series on the Lord's Prayer and we've been saying the Lord's Prayer together and so let's do that. Gwen and I, we were talking again. I mean, she can rattle off that King James Version like nobody's business. But uh, we, I don't know, I, sometimes I, I, which I can do as well. Uh, but here we go. This is what we're saying. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Man, we're doing good. Awesome. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Matthew 6. 11 through 15, Matthew 6, we're on the fifth petition. So we've made it through four. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Look at in your Bibles there, Matthew 6. Let's read 11 through 15. Uh, we're at, right at the pivot. Verse 11 is the pivot from the priority of God's glory to how he feeds our needs. So let's look at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But look at verses 14 and 15. Jesus circles back to the fifth petition. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Well, let me start there in your notes with uh, three uh, just some uh, three connections. There's three connections between the last three petitions and just about this fifth petition. So here's the first thing I want you to see. The last three heart cries are all directly connected. They're all directly connected. It's very interesting that in the first three petitions, there's no and. But in the second three, each petition is connected with the one, and, and you need to notice that. We can't ask for one without the other because they're all connected by and. And so the idea is this. Our Heavenly Father encourages us to ask Him for provision and pardon and protection. You know why? Because like State Farm, He is a good father. Like a, like a what is it? How's it go, Randy? Like a good neighbor? Oh. Is it State Farm? Yes. Yeah, okay. I see so many of these insurance commercials, I can't keep... I relate to the progressive ones where, you know, becoming your father and... Anyway, we won't go there. So, like State Farm, so like a good father, he's there. And he wants you to ask for all three of these things. Because a good father does those three things. Provision, pardon, and protection. All right? And then... Also, I want you to see, because they're connected, in the first three petitions, we said, on earth, as it is in heaven, is connected to all three of the first petitions. Well, because these three petitions are connected, daily 
connects with all three of these. And so the idea is the father feeds our needs as his children with daily bread, daily forgiveness, and daily protection. Secondly, I want you to see in light of that, the greatest give us is forgive us. So you can just turn to your neighbor and say that. The greatest give us is what? Forgive us. Yeah, the greatest provision that God could ever give us is to forgive us. And so it's building off of that idea. Here's how one author who wrote a good, his name, Justo Gonzalez, wrote a, he's a church historian, and he wrote a great little book on the Lord's Prayer. I encourage you to read it. Up to this point in the Lord's Prayer, we have not acknowledged our own sinfulness, nor have we claimed any responsibility for the disorder in which we live. The first three clauses were devoted to exalting God and the divine designs and to making a commitment to follow those designs. But things are not that simple. Sin stands between God and us. No matter how much we commit to hollow, hollowing the name of God and to submitting to the divine will, we don't do it. We are sinners. And by not confessing this fact, we break down our communication with God. Therefore, in the fifth petition, we confess that we are sinners and debtors toward God. That's just good. Listen, our greatest need is, on a daily basis, is forgiveness of our sins and a forgiving attitude towards others. Every day we need that. Every day. All right, let's, let's look at the, the third connection I want you to see is that this fifth petition has two parts. We haven't seen this yet. We're going to see it again, but we haven't seen it yet. The two parts are this. Receive forgiveness from God. Give forgiveness to God. Receive forgiveness from God. Give forgiveness to God. And that is so important that it's not only in that petition... But Jesus circles back in verses 14 and 15 and drives that same connection. And here's the bottom line. Forgiven people are forgiving people. When you have received the grace and the forgiveness of your sins, and you have really con have that concept of what a sinner you and I both are, and that God and His grace would forgive us so freely, so quickly, so immediately when we ask for it and confess who we are, to withhold that from other sinners is just impossible, God says. So here we go. Let's take a look at this. We're going to look at our heart cry for daily forgiveness, and it flows from four facts, four truths. Okay, so let's look at it. The first is this. The reason we need daily forgiveness is because we have a problem, and that problem is the sin debt that we owe God. The sin debt that we owe God. You know, all sorts of people... Uh, can be, you, uh, you know, disciplined, good stewards, can be very proud. I'm not in any debt. But you know what? Every day we wake up and uh, 
probably even before we get out of our bed, certainly by the time we interact with someone else, we are now in debt to God. We have a sin debt because we sin. We sin like that. Now, there's two ways that this petition has been prayed. Uh, You see in Matthew, forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Have you ever heard someone say it, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass? Did you... Do that? The Roman Catholic Church did that? All right. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're in a church and they say, we're all going to say the Lord's Prayer, you got you to mentally think, are we going to do debts or trespasses? Why is that? I, I like this one kid. It gets confusing. This one kid got confused and he said he prayed it this way, a little four-year-old. And forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. Now, I like that. Okay. Forgive us our trash baskets and those who put trash in our baskets. Okay. And that's pretty much kind of captures it. Okay. The mouth of kids. That's why you want to read this children's book. They're fun. Now, there's three words. The reason it gets confusing is there's three words for sin in the Lord's Prayer. And I have them there in your notes. In, in Matthew 6, 12, it's debts. But then when he explains it more, down in 14 and 15, he uses trespasses. And then in Luke, when Luke records uh, the Lord's Prayer, he has forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, that's why some churches then... Uh, apparently Roman Catholic Church, but it's not that them. It started with the Church of England. The Church of England wrote a prayer book for their uh, denomination, their state church there in England during the Reformation, and they used verses 14 and 15 and translated trespass, or not translated, but used the word trespasses. So that's where it came from. The bottom line is this. Matthew uses a figure of speech, debts, Whereas Luke gives the literal meaning, sins. That's the idea. And here's the bottom line after that little history lesson. Sin puts us in debt to God. Bottom line. Sin puts us in debt to God. Now, what is a debt? A debt is an obligation owed to another. And when we sin, it puts us in debt to God because we owe him Complete obedience from a perfect heart. That's the standard. He deserves that. He requires that. And when we fall short of that in attitude, in words, in actions, when we fall short of that, it's like, oh, I owe God. Every single sin creates more debt that that we owe God. We are basically debt machines. When it comes to sin, I mean, it's like it's just like the, the, the meter is just going up and up every time we sin. We keep sinning. And guess what? We keep piling up debt with God. And not only that, we are sinners in our hearts. So that means if we every time we make an effort to repay God, it falls short and therefore it is inadequate. So we are debt. We are debtors with no way to pay our sins. And that's the second point I want you to see. Our sins create a debt we owe to God, but we can never pay. Man, that is brutal. Uh, Don't raise your hands, but have you ever been in deep debt? 
Have you ever been in deep debt and you look at that and you're like, how am I going to dig my way out of it? Now, thank God when it comes to finances, you do diligence and you put God first and you work at it, you will get out of it, right? But when it comes to sin, it doesn't work that way because there's nothing we can do to pay back. Why do I say that? Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The thing that we earn and we deserve for our sin is not merely a debt, it's a debt that includes eternal death dead. Now that's why we need God's provision. We have a problem. We have a debt that we owe, but we can never pay. We need the father's provision. And that's the second reason we need daily forgiveness. We need the father's provision. Here's the good news of the gospel. His son paid our debt in full. What a God, what a God who while we were yet sinners, would make a provision by offering up his son to pay our debt in full. I get excited about this. Easter is coming, right? And we got to keep moving. But we could just sit here for a while. Amen? Listen, God the Father, out of compassion, made a provision... For the pain, the sin debt of undeserving sinners like you and I. He sent his son, his only begotten son, to pay the debt. Pay a debt he didn't owe for sinners who owed a debt they could not pay. Uh, We read Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the good news is there's the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. So let's break this down. Christ paid our debt for us. Woo! That's good news. He paid it for us. Uh, I've been in this position. Maybe you have too. Have you ever owed someone money or owed money to someone and someone steps in and just pays off your debt? You wish? It hasn't happened yet? Well, keep praying, Carmen. It it, it can happen. It happens sometimes. And we've had that. Uh, We've had that in our family where they, they, you you just, my parents, they they loaned us some money to buy a car when we first started out. And then after a while, they just said, you're done. And it's like, whoa, that was good. Good news. They're gone now. That doesn't happen anymore. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Christ paid for us. Now listen to 2 Corinthians 5:21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's the great exchange. All the only thing that you and I bring to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. So we come with our sin debt and we offer it up and Jesus takes our sin and pays it not only for us by becoming the sacrifice for our sin, but he also paid our debt. Well, let me say this. He paid what we had to. We're human and we sinned and that means a human had to pay 
for our sin. Adam sinned, and when he sinned as the head of humanity, we were all condemned with him. That means there has to be another Adam who is sinless in our place. So Jesus is fully human, and he can pay the debt that humans owe. But no human has been sinless. And so Jesus was not only truly man, he was truly God, and he offered up a sinless sacrifice as the perfect God-man. I mean, that's just amazing. That's how he did it for us, okay? Now, and how did he pay it? It, you can use the word substitution. He stood in our place. He paid what we owed. Substitution. Secondly, Christ paid our debt on the cross. How did he pay? For us. Where did he pay? On the cross. On the cross. And we see this over and over in Scripture. Uh, Ephesians 1.7. Listen to Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood. That's the image of the cross. That's what happened on the cross. He shed his blood. Listen, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. When we transgress and break God's law, that forgiveness has been bought according to the riches of his grace. Think about here just in the gospel of Matthew that we're studying. Listen to Matthew 26, 28. On the night before he went to the cross, Jesus establishes the Lord's Supper. And he holds up the cup and he says this, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Where did Christ pay? On the cross. You can just think of the word crucifixion. So we've got substitution. We got crucifixion. Third thing I want you to see, Christ paid our debt in full. In full. That's good news. Amen. Amen. In good news. And the I, I love this. I love, 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 love this. John 1930, right? Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he's on the cross The last words, he says, not the last words, but next to the last words, he shouts out what? It is finished. It is finished. Testelestai in Greek. And it really, it was a word of accounting. And when someone had paid their debt in full, the accountant would write on the document in Jesus' day, Testelestai. And it meant paid in full. Jesus shouted that from the cross. It's just an amazing thing. 1 John 2.2 says this. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. You're like, Chris, that's a mouthful. It is. What does propitiation mean? It means satisfaction. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. Is that good news? The wrath that was we were deserving, that we were worthy of, he satisfied God's wrath against sin. I mean, that's just amazing. John said this uh, in John 1, 29, when he saw Jesus for the first time, he says to him, Behold, the Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. Listen, Jesus paid it all. 
and all to him we owe. Jesus paid it all. And he didn't pay it in installments. You ever paid off your debt? You ever had payments? Right? Takes a while, a little bit, until you really pay it off. It's not fully, truly yours. Well, guess what? He paid it all, cash up front, on the cross, finished. And then not only that, I want you to think about this, and we don't think about this enough. He didn't pay for sins like it was a package, you know, that, okay, here's this package of forgiveness, and when you want it, you can come get it, and if you don't want it, just hanging out there. He didn't just pay for sins. He purchased sinners to be a people for himself. That payment was not merely a payment for sins. He was purchasing any and all who come to him so that sinners could be sons and daughters. Can we get excited today? I mean, that is just good news, folks. Listen, God, he is not, we talked about, he's not an ATM bread machine. Well, he's not an ATM forgiveness machine that whenever you're in sin, you run to him, get a little forgiveness, you know, get a withdrawal. No, he purchased you to be his people. That's an amazing thing. He purchased not only you, he purchased the church. Listen to Acts 20, 28. I'm not making this stuff up. Acts 20, 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Paul is talking to the elders at Ephesus. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He has purchased his church, but... I want you to see this in your Bibles. Turn to 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He didn't just purchase the church as a faceless, nameless community of people. He purchased you individually if you have come to Christ for forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. So look at this in your Bibles. 6, 19 and 20. When we say Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe, it's because he bought us. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body, your physical body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? The Holy Spirit is a down payment on your body because God owns it. And he's going to one day redeem it completely from all sin, all health issues, all decay, all just, you know, aches and pains. And I don't know anything about that, but I've heard about it. This is what he bought us for. But look at verse 20. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your body. That's just amazing. What did Christ pay? He paid it all. You can just say the word satisfaction. Listen to me. The father made a provision through his son, and it was a provision that was substitution, crucifixion, and it provided complete satisfaction and payment of our sin debt. But that raises a question. If this has been provided, how does it become my pardon? Okay, how does it become mine? And that's the third thing I want you to see. Our pardon. The relationship of eternal forgiveness. The relationship of eternal forgiveness. Now, 
I'll, I'll tell you right now that in the Lord's Prayer, we don't pray for this. The Lord's Prayer is not a salvation prayer. And the way we know that is at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, how are we to address God? Our Father. So it is a prayer for people who have already done what we're about to talk about, okay? How do I go from God up there to being my Father in here? And here's the answer. Here's the answer. The Father provided the payment. On the cross, through Jesus, that was sufficient for all sinners, but it's only effective for His children whom He chooses and calls and who responds to the calling of the gospel. So how's that work for us? Let's think about this. Um, Acts 10.43 says that through His name, everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. So the way you do it, you hear the gospel, you hear about Jesus, and you believe, and when you believe, you receive the pardon. Acts 4.12 There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. You've got to hear about Jesus, who He is, and what He's done, which I just shared with you. Everyone here has heard it. But then, just hearing it's not enough. You've got to believe it. And in believing it, you need to receive it. So let me give you and break it down. Here's how, here, here's how you get this free gift of eternal life. Forgiveness is a gift of being released from the debt you owe. Forgiveness is the gift of being released from the debt that we cannot pay. That's just amazing. All right? Uh, turn your Bibles to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. And I want you to see this idea because I really believe that Matthew 18, and we're going to look at verses 22, 22 through 35. So we're just going to read this together. And this is a parable that explains Everything we're praying in this fifth petition, and it really sums up what this lesson is about. Look in verses, first of all, look at in verses 21 through 22. Peter said to him, Lord, how often shall I, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Peter thinks he's being really spiritual. And he says, up to seven. And Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. We're talking about the same dude sinning against you. And 70 times seven is not merely 490. It's like as many times as they do it. And then Jesus shares this story. Now, it's all about debt, and it's a, but it's really about sin and forgiveness. So look at it in your Bibles. Look at verse 23. For this reason, the kingdom of, of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he began to settle them, in other words, it's time for you to pay up what you owe me. Okay, Verse 24, and when he began to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 
But since he did not have the means to repay, which is all of us, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and his children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground. He prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. The reality is he could never do that, but he understood that he had to. And look at what happens. Verse 27, And the Lord of that slave had compassion, and he does what? What's the text say? He canceled the debt. He released him. He released him and forgave his debt. Now, right there, you have a definition of forgiveness. Right there, he tells you, forgiveness is releasing someone from the debt they owe you due to their sin against you. But the slave went out. Now, here's the rest of our lesson. And this is the other half of the Lord's prayer. The slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred. He owed a huge amount to the master. This guy owes a little tiny amount. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and to plead with him, saying, have patience with me. In other words, he requests forgiveness or at least time to repay. But he was unwilling and he went and he threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slave saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved. And they came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. It's okay to pray to God and say, hey, there's some unforgiving people around me, Lord. I want you to know about them. And then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded, you requested Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way? There's the Lord's prayer. In the same way that I had mercy on you and his Lord no longer moved with compassion, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that he owed. And then Jesus says these sobering words. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brothers from your heart. Wow, those are sobering, sobering words, okay? But let's get back. Here's the idea. I just wanted you to catch from that. You have to request it, okay? Forgiveness is a release. That's the first thing. Forgiveness is a release. When you ask Jesus and you are forgiven, he releases you from your past sins, from the power of sin in your life. You can begin to say no to sin, and he releases you eventually from the very presence of sin in the future. It is a magnificent release. But as we just read, he also releases you to pardon others. He releases you to pardon. So the first step is to understand it's a release of of your debt. Second thing is forgiveness must be requested. You've got to ask for it. You've got to ask for it. Jesus took away the sins of the world. But if you don't ask for it, you don't receive it. You say, Chris, how do I ask for it? Well, in the parable that we just read, the request was, falling prostrate on the ground and and just humbly 
begging and pleading and saying, look, I don't have a leg to stand on. I don't have a right. I'm in debt. I can't pay it. I beg you to forgive it. That's how you request. You own it. You own your sin. You admit it. You confess your sin. You ask for forgiveness. And then guess what? You receive it. And that's the third aspect. Forgiveness is then received from the one you owe. That's a beautiful picture. Now, we're making progress through this. But I want you to think about a big question here. And here's the the big question. If we had a debt we couldn't pay, the Father provided Christ, He paid it in full, and when we come to Him and we ask to be forgiven, we receive eternal life. Here's the question. If all my sins are paid for and I've already received full pardon, why do I need to ask for forgiveness on a daily basis? Have you ever thought that? And you know what's worse? Sometimes we think, as Christians, that we don't have to. Daily confession. How much is that a part of our prayer life? In fact, when I first came to this church, what, now 32 years ago, there was a person who was teaching, uh, a layman who was teaching, who had gotten under false teaching that believers don't have to confess sin. And he was teaching, you don't have to confess sin. And we dealt with that, and he, he left. But the point is, why do we have to do that? And yet we know from the Lord's Prayer, we, we you know, pray, give us, Lord, this day our daily prayer and forgive us our daily sins. You know, we're not getting saved over and over. So, so let's look at this. Here's our prayer. Here's the answer. Here's our daily prayer. It's the fellowship of daily forgiveness. It's the fellowship. When you get saved, you get a relationship. And you are part of the family of God. God's your father. But God is a good father. And so just like your fathers or your mothers, when you disobeyed, what happened when you disobeyed? Various things in various families, but what what happened? So you get disciplined, right? You get punished. So what are some punishments? Grounding. Time out, sent to your room, right? There's a variety of things. But what, ha- what does not happen is you don't get kicked out of the family. Okay? The thing is, in our house, a variety of punishments were used, but I'll use being sent to your room. So you did something wrong. I wasn't kicked out of the house. I wasn't kicked out of the family. I went to my room and go think about what you did. And then to get out of the room, I had to confess and ask forgiveness, right? And that's the same thing with God. Listen, when we sin, we don't get kicked out of the family. You don't have to get salvation again, but fellowship is broken. And as long as that's broken, it will remain broken until we own to our sin and confess it to the Father. Here's the sad part. There's a whole lot of Christians who are walking and living And worshiping even today, totally out of fellowship with their Heavenly Father because they are not on a daily and even moment-by-moment basis asking the Father for forgiveness 
of their sins. And so let me tell you about the three kinds of forgiveness. There's three kinds. The first is eternal forgiveness. Eternal forgiveness for salvation. That's what we talked about already in point three, right? Eternal forgiveness for salvation, which a sinner seeks once, and then you enter into that relationship. Does that make sense? You go from not, you, basically you go from being a part of the devil's family to being a part, born again into God's family. Happens once, you turn to him, you plead, you ask, he grants it, you receive it by faith alone in what Christ has done. Then there's parental forgiveness. Parental forgiveness. What do I mean by that? I mean the kind of forgiveness that you have as a son or daughter when you sin and you're still saved, but fellowship with your father has been broken, and therefore you have to request forgiveness. How do you do that? You do it the same way you you did when you got saved. You own it. You confess it. You ask for it. And then you receive it by faith. Well, am I getting saved? No, it's the same way of asking, but you're not asking for a relationship. You're asking for fellowship to be restored. That's parental forgiveness. Now, how do I get parental forgiveness? We'll get to the third kind in a moment. Three conditions for receiving parental forgiveness on a daily basis. So here's the first one. First, you got to be in the family. Okay? You, you know, if my buddy Paul, who lived across the street from where I grew up, if he disobeyed his parents and then ran over to our house, came to my dad and said, would you forgive me because I, uh, I disobeyed? My dad would say, I, you know, I mean, he wouldn't, but you get it. I don't know you. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, you're not mine. You're not mine to forgive. Listen, if you're going to get daily forgiveness, you first have to, to ask for the forgiveness of, of eternal forgiveness. You've got to be part of the family. You've got to be, to pray the Lord's Prayer, you've got to be a part of the family, our Father, right? Secondly, you need to be forgiven, so you've got to ask for it. You've got to ask for it. Daily forgiveness. Listen, God is not up there saying... Well, here's Randy. Randy sinned against me. Our fellowship is broken, but I'm going to drop down forgiveness on him. No, he's just saying, well, Randy's out of fellowship with me. I'll try to get his attention. I'll try to point it out to him through the preaching, teaching, exhortation, conscience, conviction, the Holy Spirit. But until Randy says, oh, yeah, I sinned against you. I was wrong. I confess it. Will you forgive me? You got to be forgiven. But here's the part we miss. To receive daily forgiveness from the Father, we have to be forgiving to others. I don't write the rules. I just preach them from the text, right? They're right there in the text. You, you say, wait a minute, Chris. What do you mean by, well, you know, what, what is this? It's the third kind of forgiveness that is often overlooked. And I call it fraternal Fraternal forgiveness, brotherly, uh, or more familial, but that's hard for me to say because I have speech impediments. 
fraternal. Okay, fraternal. Okay, so what's the deal? What is fraternal? You're like, wait a minute. I've never heard of that. You may not have heard about it by that name, but it's in your Bible. It's in your Bible. And listen, a whole lot of Christians are either ignorant of it or they're just plain disobedient to it. Okay, and this is the third condition for daily forgiveness. And so you, you look in your notes. What is fraternal forgiveness? Forgiveness which a brother or sister shares freely in order to enjoy the fellowship of both the family and the father. So it's all tied together. It's all tied together. All of this. When you receive eternal forgiveness, you get the privilege of parental forgiveness, confessing on a daily basis and having sweet fellowship with God in spite of the fact that we are daily still sinners. But this is a total package. Then that obligates us. And not only obligates us, our hearts should have been changed here so that we want to be this way to others. All right? And that's... That's, that's how it goes. So here's my question for all of us, because I never assume. Have you received eternal forgiveness? If you were to die today, do you know for sure that all sins, past, present, and those you don't even know yet that you're going to commit, are they all forgiven? Secondly, parental forgiveness. Daily, how do you confess sin on a daily basis? You say, well, Chris, I just don't sin that much. And I'd say, you need to confess lying, okay? Because that's, that's not true. See, here's the thing. The reason we don't do this is because we think this cancels that. It's not needed. Or we have received that, but we just don't aware how sinful we really are. And once we receive how sinful we are and we're daily confessing sin, all of a sudden we're not proud and puffed up when other people sin against us because all we see is a mirror of, of what we've been doing every day. Lord, forgive me. Lord, well, said something I shouldn't have said, saw something I shouldn't have saw, thought something I shouldn't have thought. Lord, I didn't do what I should be doing. And when you're, it just humbles you. And then when you receive that free gift, you're joyful and you're just like, you know what? I can forgive others. It's not automatic. It's not automatic. It's painful and it can take months, maybe years to work out some resentment, but you need to do it. So here's the question. What if we don't pray for daily forgiveness and we aren't forgiving of others? What does our Heavenly Father do? What if we don't pray for daily forgiveness? What if we haven't been doing this? And what if right now, due to this lesson, you're thinking, I've got people in my life, maybe more than one, that I haven't forgiven. Our salvation is secure, but our fellowship is broken with the Father, and our lives will be chastised. He will discipline you. It's just like when we were raising Amber. Amber, we're, we're a forgiving people. And so we're going to teach you how to forgive and how to be forgiving. Let me, let me just tell you right now, it's never too late for you to learn the skill of giving, uh, of receiving and giving forgiveness. And please teach your children that. And it starts 
year one. I mean, we're great on teaching kids to say thank you. We need to teach kids to say, I was wrong, will you forgive me? And to teach them to say to others, I forgive you, okay? Um, So what if we don't pray for daily forgiveness? A son is a son, even when he's sinning. But true children want to and will be restored to the Father. Well, what if we aren't forgiving? Well, a son is a son, even when he's unforgiving. But true children want to and will seek to be restored. Now, this is a can of worms when you talk about forgiveness, okay? And I think we may come back in in, in weeks to come uh, and do a series on this. But what if those who have sinned against me don't know it? What if they can't admit it? What if they won't repent? And what if they never ask me to forgive them? How do I How do I do this so I don't break fellowship with the Father? And the answer is this. You can be forgiving even though they never ask you for forgiveness. You can be forgiving toward them. I firmly believe, and some people disagree with this, so I'll tell you there's other people that think differently. I firmly believe you can't forgive people who don't repent and ask for forgiveness. God doesn't do that. God's forgiving, but he doesn't forgive anyone unless they hear the gospel and ask for it. You can't forget. We shouldn't express and say, I forgive you when they haven't repented and asked forgiveness. But what I can do is be forgiving. And the forgiving attitude says at a drop of the hat, if they would ever come and ask and admit, I'd forgive them. You say, well, Chris, is that biblical? What did Jesus do on the cross? He's on the cross, and he didn't say, hey, you guys that nailed me, you guys that pierced my side. You know, he's not shouting out to them, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. What does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's releasing them to the Father and saying, Father, it's your business to deal with them. But my heart attitude is, I want them forgiven. You say, well, that's Jesus. What about us? Stephen, when he was stoned in Acts 7. He's being, I mean, listen to this. He's being pummeled with stones. He's being stoned to death. And he says, Father, do not hold this against them. He says almost exactly what Jesus said. But he doesn't shout to him, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Oh, you're forgiven. Oh, you're, you're forgiven. No, he releases them to the Father. And yet, while he's being pummeled, he's got this forgiving attitude that's... If one of them... If, if, and who was there? Saul of Tarsus. If Saul had stopped, dropped those coats and said, Stephen, forgive me, what would Stephen and Mealy said? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. So something to think about. It, that frees you up to be forgiving even if someone's already dead. Even if someone, you know, people sin against us. And listen, a lot of people that have offended you didn't even know they offended you. And we're angry and bitter. And then there's people that know they did wrong and they'll never humble themselves and ask. But you don't have to be a prisoner of their hardness. You can be set free. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And let me just throw this out and we'll end with this. Next slide there. The church's picture of all of this The Lord's Supper 
pictures the Lord's Prayer. This is the coolest thing. Last week we said, give us this day our daily bread. And what happens in the Lord's Supper? This is the bread and this is the cup. Also in the Lord's Supper, we are reminded, here, the Lord's Supper, we're reminded, reminded of eternal forgiveness. But what do we ask always before we take the Lord's Supper? Are you right with God and are you right with others? Partake, partake with a forgiving and reconciled heart. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord's Prayer, these first two requests, the Lord's Prayer is in the Lord's Supper. So there you go. Now, how's your heart cry? Every week, this is out here. Take this. See all these blanks or all these lines? Write out what God said to you today. And I'm telling you, I I really believe this. I don't know how you could be a believer today and not be challenged, not be convicted, and not be grateful for God's forgiveness. So write, write that out. And then on the back, I'll help you. You can pray through these three kinds of forgiveness, eternal, paternal, and fraternal, okay? And you call them what you want. That's my way of remembering them. And, uh, man, we got a great God. Amen? Amen. Got a great God. And I confess, and I confess to you with a repentant heart, I do not daily confess sin like I ought. I just don't. I confess that. And every time I teach this, I'm convicted of it all over again. And what that means is I've got, you know, we do have these things, smartphones now, right, that have alarms on them for everything. Do you need to confess? Maybe I need to put that, have a little voice. Do you need to confess? You know, oh, I guess I have that voice. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come and we are humbled. Humbled at your grace that you have released us from eternal debt. You have granted us righteousness as a free gift. You have been long-suffering and patient with us when we have been hard-hearted and unforgiving. And you love us as sons and daughters, even when we don't even stop to say, Lord, I sinned against your grace again. Father, I pray for people here. It happens in discipleship. It happens in premarital counseling. A lot of people walk around with un confess sin and unreconciled relationships and they pretend on the outside it doesn't matter but on the inside it does damage that creates and spills over onto our spouses and our children and our church family god cleanse us today with the release of your forgiveness we pray this in jesus name amen